0: Grace, mercy, and peace to you from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. In the name of our triune God, my dear fellow redeemed, what do you think of when you hear the word treasure? Do you maybe start thinking about some of the stories you've heard or movies you've watched? Maybe your head fills with images of pirates burying chests filled with gold. Or perhaps you think of dragons brooding over vast, hidden hordes of wealth. Undoubtedly, you think of chests filled with gold and silver coins, of diamonds, emeralds, rubies, and pearls. You think of many different kinds of things. And you also probably think of what people are willing to do in order to acquire treasure. Think of some of those movies that you've seen and the risks that people are willing to take to get their hands on that priceless treasure. Or even stories from history. I think of the Spanish conquistadors and everything that they would risk in order to find the lost city of gold. Yes, people would risk a great deal to acquire treasure. But that's the interesting thing about treasure, isn't it? Not everything that we consider treasure is gold and silver. Many of us have different kinds of treasure. As I asked the children a few moments ago, just stop and consider for a moment what do you consider to be your most precious possession? Now, the answer to that question is, of course, going to vary from person to person. And what's interesting about our concept of treasure is that something we consider to be personally priceless may be absolutely worthless to someone else. Some people, of course, consider their wealth and investments to be their greatest possessions. But others, it may be some family heirloom that has been handed down from generation to generation. Or maybe it's some trophy or award that you received for doing something truly amazing, and that has great personal value to you and you think of everything that you have endured to gain that treasure, think now, too, of what you're willing to do to keep that treasure safe. People spend money on expensive saves that they keep in their house to lock their treasures away. Or maybe they spend money every month to keep that treasure in a bank so someone else can watch over it. You may take that priceless heirloom and put it up on a shelf where you can look at it and admire it, but where you also know that it will be safe. Or maybe you take it and hide it away in a secret place that you know, but where no one else could ever find it because that treasure is precious to you and something that you want to guard and protect. Because treasure is something that we consider truly valuable. And we are willing to go to great lengths both to get it and to keep it safe. In our lesson this morning, that is how Jesus wants us to think of the kingdom of God. He wants us to envision it as a treasure, something that we are willing to give up absolutely everything we have to obtain. And so this morning, as we meditate on God's word, let us consider the value we place on the priceless pearl of the promise. Now in the second parable from our gospel lesson this morning, Jesus describes the kingdom of heaven like a priceless pearl, that that merchant in his parable is willing to sell everything he has in order to get. Now, if you're like me, when you've read this story, you've perhaps thought to yourself, well, why would he give up everything he has to get a pearl? I know when I hear about pearls, I think maybe of pearl earrings or a pearl necklace, and I don't really consider that to be valuable. Well, dear friends, that's because in our day and age, pearls, while not cheap and commonplace, are relatively available. But stop and think for a minute about Jesus' time. Where do pearls come from? They come from the depths of the ocean. And in the Roman era, people didn't have expensive modern scuba gear. People had to dive down and get those pearls. And so there was great personal risk and cost involved in getting pearls. And people in the Roman world placed great value in pearls, especially if they were perfect and flawless. They were symbols of status and wealth. And people were willing to give up many things in order to get their hands on pearls. For example, pearls in the Roman world were so valuable that one Roman general was able to fund his entire military campaign for a year by selling just one of his mother's pearls. And so pearls were something that people were willing to acquire because it showed that they had status and they had wealth. If you think it's really not that different in our day and age, it's not pearls anymore, but you think of the other things that people are willing to spend vast sums of money to own to show their wealth and status. Perhaps you've seen in the news the huge amounts of money that people will spend to get rare pieces of artwork. Or maybe they spend a lot of money to get a historical sports, piece of sports memorabilia. Or an expensive watch that they can show off to their friends. They are willing to sacrifice much in order to gain something they consider to be valuable. And that's exactly how Jesus is describing the kingdom of God. Both of the men in these parables were willing to give up everything they had in order to gain the treasure that they had found. And Jesus describes the kingdom of heaven because it, like a priceless pearl because he wanted us to realize just how valuable that gift really is. It talked about the cost associated with getting pearls. Think about how much more the kingdom of heaven cost. Our forgiveness required the blood of Jesus Christ himself. Our salvation was purchased by the holy blood of the Son of God who came to this world and made his dwelling among us. Yes, Jesus lived as one of us. He suffered as one of us he was tempted in every way that we are and yet he was completely without sin he lived his life in perfect obedience to the command and will of his father including willingly offering that perfect holy innocent life as a sacrifice to pay for the sins of the entire world and by his death and resurrection from the dead he defeated the power of sin and hell And he gives us that forgiveness and eternal life in heaven as a gift. A truly priceless pearl of promise that is far greater in value than any treasure this world has to offer. But dear friends, consider for a moment. Do we always value that priceless pearl of promise as highly as we should? Does God always get the first and highest priority in our lives? Or does he often take second place? Do we give God willingly of our first fruits that he has blessed us with? Or do we often find ourselves giving to God what is left over after we've spent money on things that we want and we desire? Do we willingly keep God's commandments? Do we honor his will for us in our lives? Or do we find the commandments to be a burden? It's much easier to give in to the desires of our sinful nature. And yes, that sin for a time does make us feel good because we are tempted by the lusts and desires of this life. And when we find ourselves falling into trouble, When we find ourselves afflicted and assaulted by the cares of this world, do we value God's promise? Do we turn to him first in times of trouble? Or do we instead find ourselves looking to ourselves first, to figuring out how we can solve our problems or, like the Apostle Paul warned Timothy, not to put our trust in wealth and riches of this life? Yes, dear friends, we know the depth of our sin. We know how much and how often we have failed God. We know that there is absolutely nothing we can do to earn God's forgiveness and our sin is always before us. We are weighed down by guilt. But that is why the kingdom of heaven is such a priceless pearl of promise. Our salvation has been given to us freely as a gift, not because of anything we have done to earn or deserve it. When we are assailed by guilt, when we think about our sins, we can have absolute and complete trust and confidence knowing that Christ has removed our sins, that forgiveness is ours, that Christ has taken all of our sins and has nailed them to the cross and paid for them with his life that we can come to church each Sunday and receive with believing hearts the assurance that our sins are forgiven, that we can come forward to the Lord's table and we can take and eat that body and drink that blood that was shed for us for the forgiveness of sins and know with absolute certainty that we are indeed forgiven, that our guilt, our sin, and our shame has been removed from us as far as the east is from the west, that the power of Satan and the power of hell has been crushed by Christ. That it has no power over us. That we are free. That we have received our treasure. That priceless pearl of the promise, the kingdom of heaven, that we are God's own dearly beloved children. And that as his heirs, we will receive the reward of eternal life with him in that place where there will be no more weeping or crying or pain. In Philippians chapter 3, the apostle Paul describes the value of the kingdom of heaven in this way. He says, "But whatever things were a profit for me, these things I have come to consider a loss because of Christ. But even more than that, I consider everything to be a loss because of what is worth far more, knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have lost all things and consider them rubbish." so that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own which comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God by faith. I do this so that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death in the hope that in some way I may arrive at the resurrection from the dead." As Jesus finished this section of parables in Matthew, he turns and asks his disciples, do you understand these things? And the disciples said, yes, we understand. In the same way, we too can say that we understand these parables about the kingdom of God that we have been looking at the last few weeks. Now, I'm in no way saying that we completely understand everything that is revealed to us in Scripture. Because our God is so vast and so mighty and so amazing that there are things about him that are simply beyond our limited human ability to understand. But what we do understand is the truth of the gospel. We understand that our Savior offered his life to save us. That our sins have been forgiven that the power of death and hell have been destroyed, that we will receive that priceless pearl of the promise. But like Solomon, we also pray that God would continue to grant us wisdom and understanding, that we could grow in our knowledge of our God. At the end of this section from Matthew, Jesus shares one more short parable with his disciples. He tells them that the disciples of Christ are like the owner of a house who brings out of his treasure both new things and old things. This is an encouragement from our Lord, that we continually store up treasures for ourselves. Now back in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus tells us exactly what these treasures are. They are not the things of this world, but they are the things of God. Jesus says, Do not store up treasures for yourself on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up treasures for yourself in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal because where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. This treasure is the word of God and the encouragement that Christ has for us to store up old things. He is encouraging us to continually search the scriptures, to learn about him in both the Old and New Testament, to see that everything in the scriptures points to Christ and how he earned our salvation for us. As we study the scriptures, as we study those old things, we will grow in our faith and understanding of God. We begin to understand just how wide and deep and long and high the love that our Father has for us really is. And as we grow in our faith, we will also store up new things. As we learn about the love that God has for us, we will be filled with the desire to do what God wants. Not because in any way we think we can earn or deserve his love and mercy, he gives that to us a gift. But instead, because we are Christians, because we are his dearly beloved children, we want to do the things that please our Father in heaven. When we understand just how valuable the pearl of promise is and how the things of this life pale in comparison, we give freely of the gifts that God has so richly blessed us. We offer what we have been given for the work of his church. We share with those less fortunate with us. We want to reflect the love of our Savior that we have in our hearts. And as we understand the love of Christ, we also echo the words of the apostles and say we cannot help but speak about the things we have seen and heard. We have a storehouse filled with treasure. And it is a treasure that we want to bring out and share with others we want others to come and receive and know the value of this priceless pearl of the promise we want them to come and know the love of christ to receive the forgiveness of sins and to ultimately receive that glorious banquet that we have waiting for us in heaven where we will be united with each other and with our god in all eternity singing his praises dear friends we truly have been given a priceless pearl of promise. The message of salvation, which is a treasure far greater than anything else this world can offer. It is a treasure of grace and mercy and forgiveness. It is a promise that has been made to us by our God that he will continually forgive all our sins and love us as his own dear children. Amen.